Hello, and welcome back to my podcast. Um, it has been a full two months. I took a brief hiatus from podcasting, but here I am. I am back. So yeah, in the last two months, it has been absolutely crazy. I feel like there's been so much good newness, um, new jobs, new houses, all of the new things, and I'm loving it. It's been a total blast. But as we get into this episode, I just wanted to share my heart a little bit. Um, I'm sure a lot of you saw the title and were thinking, wait, what? (laughs) Um, Prepare yourself for such a God-honoring podcast and a church-honoring podcast. Um, I think something the Lord's taught me just in this past season is that the church is the bride of Christ and people are messy. (laughs) And I think one thing that's just absolutely shattered my heart in this past season and in previous seasons is watching people walk away from the local church entirely. And what I mean by that is that I think sometimes people put such a high pedestal below the feet of people who are humans. And I think one thing that is just kept me going throughout many seasons of ministry um, this past season for me but I think the one thing that I can just grip onto in the midst and what I tell people as they are going through hard seasons within the church is that it is still the bride of Christ Christ will continue to choose the church time and time again like there will never be a time until the new heavens and the new earth come, that he will not stop choosing and pursuing and loving the local church. And so I say it a few times. Personally, I don't love the word church hurt. And I know it is such a buzzword in culture, especially Christian culture, and I totally understand. But I think better verbiage could be potentially being hurt by people within the church. And that's a reality. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, if we throw around words like church hurt or I was hurt by the church, I think in throwing those words around so flippantly, we get into trouble. And truthfully, I think it turns people away from the church. And the church, again, is such a beautiful thing. People are messy and broken and hurting. But that's the beauty of the local church, is it is not all perfect people. And I will never stop loving the local church with everything in me. And so that's why I invited my friend Catherine onto this podcast. She is someone who I've had incredible conversations with time and time again over this topic. And She is someone who just restores and rekindles that fire and passion for the local church within me. And if you're in a season right now where you're wrestling, um, I encourage you, find a friend like Catherine. Find someone in your life that will just pray for you like no other and who will just continue to point you towards Jesus. Let's tune in as we hear some wisdom from my friend Catherine. She and I share a kindred love for kids ministry and for people, volunteers, all of that. So I hope you can hear her heart in this podcast.
Okay, I'm going to start off with an icebreaker because I feel like that's just become the theme. Like, as I've podcasted, I've just realized, like, you know what? I am always going to start off with the most absurd icebreaker. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you this question. If you had someone visiting you in California, because that's where you're from, and you only had 12 hours to be the best tour guide ever, where would you take this person and what would you do and why? Uh, 12 hours is, it depends. Like for sure if there's no traffic, okay? (laughs) That's true. It's pretty much all traffic. (laughs) I know. So if there's no traffic and if it's 12 hours, like I would do a drive from Southern coast to the Northern coast. Yeah. Um, and just stop by like Southern California. We would go to for sure Boba. Mm-hmm. We would get like the best Boba, especially here at Irvine. I love it. And then we would drive probably to like the Santa Monica, LA area, get amazing food. Um, and then go to the whole like just eat by the beach and smell the air, go to Malibu and feel that beautiful air, and then go up to NorCal um and just do the drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course stop by in and out, even though now it's not just California, but, um, yeah, somewhat something with food, coffee, boba, and like in that beautiful beach scenery, having like incredible conversations. Oh, I just love it. What time of the year would it be? Oh, fall. I'm sorry. We're not doing it in the summer. Oh, I know people are going to be like, <laughs> why are we not in the beach? We can buy- go to the sand. I'm not going to go into the water. Um, Are you not a huge ocean person? You know, I think I'm just not a huge swimming person. Yeah, Yeah, I can stay in the beach sand and I'll read a book for hours, but I just, I'll put my like feet in, but that's as far as I go. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Which is terrible. My husband loves the water. Like he loves salt water and how it makes him feel. I'm like, it's too cold. Uh, So yeah, especially like California water is too cold. It's too cold. Oh my gosh. No, I, it always throws me off. Like I'll start to get in and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like <laughs> the Arctic. It is. It's freezing water. No, you got to go to the East coast. I think like Florida for warmer water. Mm, I love Florida water. That's great. Most <laughs> <laughs> um, random conversation, yeah. ocean water. Ocean. love where this is going. <laughs> yes. But for sure somewhere like the beach, like you have to if you're in California that you pay for the weather. So, Oh, totally. 100%. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Brief synopsis of who you are. Um, tell me just ministry wise, who you are as a mom and who you are as a wife. Just give me an overview of who is Catherine. Wow. It's such a deep question. Such an existential question. Um, I am a Korean born American that, um, I'm, immigrated here when I was nine years old and my story that's like so important to me um because when you come into a whole different country and you can't speak the language you have no idea what the culture is supposed to be and all you're doing is trying to fit in and belong the sense of your identity and like wanting to fit in a place is a huge marker so I think when I read that desire that humans were created for that, for that belonging, for that community. Like to me, my natural state of desire like was already like heightened for that. Um, And so, yeah, from 
my mom was the first Christian. And so when we immigrated, the safe place was a church. We went to church four times a week. Um, didn't know anybody, didn't speak the language, but I knew I was safe there. I knew I was loved there. And I knew that's a place like our family fit in, you know, fast forward, I'm still going to church four times a week as like a high school student, um, get asked to intern, um, cause I love to sing and dance. And so they asked me to be the kids worship leader. Um, there, I have my first experience and I hear of this thing called Willow Creek church and, we get to go for a kids conference and my mind is blown. You seeing like thousands of people around United States wanting to impact the next generation. And, um, you know, even then, like, I just remember my life being just totally different and wowed, but actually accepting the call took a lot longer. But I do remember that being like a huge marker in my faith journey. And since then, I rarely took a weekend off serving in kids. Wow. So I, I've had multiple jobs. Um, I did multiple careers mm-hmm. <laughs> from like want to be K-pop star to <laughs> wanting to be a musical actress to doing business for six years, pre-med, medical missions, all these things that wow. I've done. One consistent thing was on a Sunday, I'm at a church serving the kids. And then through that, I met my husband. He was a pastor at that time and uh, wanting to go to Africa for missions. And so a girlfriend of mine that I was singing with, she was like, I think I know the perfect guy for you. And I was like, interesting. Um, She's like, it's my pastor. And then I'm like, okay, well, I totally was okay marrying a pastor. Uh, Cause I thought I'd be the sugar mama <laughs> and like bring in the money for him. And he can do all the uh, pastoral stuff. At that awesome. time. That's like the only mindset I knew. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I met him. I actually researched him first. I made sure he can preach. So if I have to listen to him forever. Oh, oh my, my word. I love if that if so he's going to preach to me forever, I better like his like ability to preach. And did you like dig into his theology? Were you like, yeah, I was like, number one, like, are you, yeah, hermeneutically everything. I was like, are you on point? And application wise, like, does it make sense? Are you engaging? Because if you're going to preach to me my whole life and my children, it better be good. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. And then we got married. So we have now three beautiful kids, girls, all girls, because he wanted all girls. And so God listened to him more than me. Did you want boys? I did. I totally wanted a mama's boy. Like I wanted like a baby uh-huh. that doesn't grow up that I can like pinch his cheeks until he's 24. <laughs> um, but God listened to my husband more. He just wanted girls. Um, oh my gosh. But yeah, I love my girls. We have a preteen, 12 year old, nine year old, and like a still somewhat toddler. I treat her like a baby, but she's four. Yeah. But I treat her like my baby. Um, and now we are at Mariner's Church. Mm-hmm. I have the amazing, oh my goodness, the opportunity to minister and partner with incredible leaders there. Uh, and I get to oversee the kids ministry. Yes. So good. So fun. Did, <laughs> okay, my question for you. How did that pivot for you into full-time ministry? Where where was that moment that you just knew that that was going to be the rest of your life or at least a season in your life? Yeah, I mean, high school time, there's like a little, okay, you might be interested in this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
being pre-med in college, never thought I was going to do full-time ministry. But the funny thing is like, I would never go to my classes <laughs> and I would do ministry instead. It was so bad, but um, I should have known then, even then I would say like, I took the part-time job um, because I was asked. Right. And so they were like, you're really good with kids. So from internship, then to like a part-time assistant job to then another part-time director job. And I always thought I was going to do this part-time on the side. Uh, I had at that time, a full-time business career did not think I was going to do ministry full-time. I loved it. I spent probably more than 40 hours volunteering for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until my husband's time in ministry was coming to an end. And the cool thing is in our small church, he was the associate pastor and he asked me to be the kids pastor of his church. Um, and that's when he was like, I really think you are called to this. So it was my husband who actually encouraged me, someone who knows wow. me the closest and deepest, who knows my heart after God and kids. Um, and he's like, you really are passionate, but also skilled. And I remember my seminary, like, so because my husband worked at a seminary, I was able to go to seminary for free. Oh, that's amazing. I know. I it's like that. such a God thing. Um, and so he was like, what do you want to study? And I was like, children's ministry. <laughs> Yep. So that I could be the best volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, little did I know, God, that wasn't God's plan. Yeah. When my husband took his, when he started his uh, end of ministry career, when he saw that was ending, he really passed the torch to me and say, look, like, I think you'll do things I could only dream of doing. And it's crazy because he saw it and I can't believe what I'm able to do now. Wow. Um, and so it's really awesome because he keeps me accountable how blessed I am for these opportunities because it's something he would have died for, you know, when he was in ministry for those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he keeps me humble. He keeps me encouraged, but if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. I mean, he had to really be the stay home dad. He had to take a back seat in his career for me to really do this full time. So yeah, when he took a back seat. I then moved from part-time to full-time. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I actually did not know that part of your story. <laughs> um, you are busy. Like you are a busy woman. I mean, every time I see you, I'm like, oh my gosh, Catherine is doing so much kingdom work. It's insane. My question for you is how do you manage work-life balance? And I know it's such a broad question and I feel like it's such a hot topic right now in ministry circles. Um, you know, and I'm sure you get asked this question all the time. Um, what, I guess my question specifically is, what does that mean to you? And maybe this is such a loaded question, but how has it been misconstrued to, you know, because I think that you and I both are achievers and we want to work hard and we actually love to work hard. Like there's nothing wrong with hard work, but how do you rest well in that? And where's the balance? Yeah. I mean, you and I had so many conversations about this just as friends. Yeah. Um, I, I love that you asked the question, what are some, you know, preconceived notions of what work balance is supposed to look like? I think for women too, our role and our identity has shifted so much 
in the last 50 years? What is the definition of womanhood? What is the definition even for roles for women in the church? It's been so um, talked about, so many like contradictories. And for me growing up in a very conservative Asian church, so there's Asian culture where women really had a very supporting role. Um, and then to then the Christian organization where, man, like the conversations of women being pastors and the titles, all that has, has been difficult. Um, but when it comes to work-life balance, I think for me personally is to number one, focus on my identity in God. I think Mm -hmm. before womanhood, before like this thing that the world or culture or even anything, my past experience tells me I have to do, or I should do right. This whole, like you should be a certain way. I really have to search deep into God's word and like use, like use his word. What he says is truth to find my core identity. And that's been a lifelong journey because it's so much easier to define myself as what others tell me, especially as someone who wanted to belong into the American culture, who wanted to desire to be like popular because I looked different than everyone else that was around me. Um, As someone who dealt with so much insecurities growing up, it's so much easier to hear what culture tells me, what my friends tell me, or even sometimes what my teachers or my parents would tell me that I must or should do. So taking all that and really deciphering, okay, God, like as your child, how do I ground myself? And, um, you know, that story of like Peter in the storm, in the craziest of storms, like Jesus, man, like calms the storm. I think like when I ground myself in that truth, in God's word, in who he says I am, um, it's a lot easier to find balance. So to me, this whole like work-life balance, I think about a year ago, I put it out the door of trying to achieve this like perfect mom life, perfect wife life, perfect pastor life, perfect, whatever it is that this I put all this pressure upon my shoulders. Um, I really started to lay that at the feet of Jesus and say, okay, this was truly the best I could do. From that, I need you to multiply, Jesus. Like I need you to, to like mend the imperfections because that way and only that way will people see God in, in my work. And not just me. And I think at the end of my day as a, as a Christian, when I get to heaven, oh my goodness, I hope that's what he says about me. Like, well done doing the work I gave you, not well done, Catherine, doing the work you created for yourself. Yes. Oh, that's such a good reminder. Oh my gosh. And I think especially like that story of Peter, like just fixing his eyes upon Jesus or not yeah. and sinking. But like once he did, he started to just not sink. I think about that so often. And it's like, you know, even just in the lens of work-life balance, um, I think that we try so hard to achieve that one thing when we are asked just to achieve focusing on Jesus. Like, 
that's the main priority here. You know, it's like if you are so busy doing things that are not honoring to the Lord, then you're not doing work-life balance well. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, our pastor, Eric, I remember the one of the first things he said to me, or maybe in a group, like there's so, I mean, he's brilliant. And man, I respect this man so much. He said, the best type of leaders or even like people who are making change are those that stay inspired. Mm. Right? And as Christians, our inspiration comes from the creator of God. But I think that's, that's what Sabbath is. Even this identity of, or idea of Sabbath, it doesn't mean you just take the days off. You can have the most amazing time off schedule and yet you feel unrested. Yes. You know, there are days when I just watch Netflix shows and I feel even more tired. Yes. So how do you stay inspired? Um, mm. Like yesterday, I went on a date night with my husband and mm. listened to classical music. And I was so inspired, you know, just talking to God in the midst of that music with my husband and just feeling so rested listening to music. Um, and yeah, so I think just the, the peace that surpasses all understanding, right? Like, how do you continue to fight for that? Mm. Oh, it's hard. I wish. Yeah. I wish I had an answer. All I can tell you is how do I do it? I fight for yeah. that. I fight crazy for that. So cool. And I love what you said about rest and what it looks like or what it should look like or what it shouldn't look like. And I think our culture says like, oh, rest is literally binging on Netflix or laying on the couch or I don't know. And it's like, I've learned over the years that rest can look like going for a hike. You know, rest can look like just being outside or waking up early with a cup of coffee or watching a sunrise or, you know, it's just, it looks so different for everybody. And I think it's just finding like what fills your soul, like what points you back to the maker in the midst of yeah. being so busy, like what reminds you of Jesus um, mm -hmm. and I, man, I've done it so imperfectly. I still do it so imperfectly. Um, and I used to beat myself up. I was like, naps are not good. Like <laughs> naps are unproductive, but I've become such a napper recently <laughs> and I love it. Amen. Amen. And good because it's supposed to heal your body when you nap. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Exactly. And it's also yes. like how we look at it, right? I know so many people who like when they paint, they feel so rested. Mm. But like, if it was your job to paint, I couldn't imagine you feel the pressures, you feel all these things, and then it doesn't feel like rest. So some you're right. Like it's sometimes the mindset. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's always the physicality or the time frame. In the midst of rest, there's also the other layer of it, and that's just busyness and ministry. Um, <laughs> my next question for you is kind of just shifting gears a bit, but ministry is messy. <laughs> it's yes. very messy. Um, you know, there's, I mean, the best way like I can describe it, and I'm sure you can too, is there's the highest of highs and there's the lowest of lows. Mm -hmm. You know, one day you were watching a family that you walked alongside take the most amazing, beautiful step towards Jesus. Then the next day you're walking alongside yep. a family who is going through the worst season of their life. How do you press on in the midst of that? And that is up to your own interpretation? I feel like it's such a loaded question, but how do you press on? Man, I think after 20 years of ministry experience or just life experience, I would say, the beauty of getting older <laughs> um, 
is you really realize how little you have control over life. I think that's why I love the library and reading, like just, just history of what has happened in the world before our time, because you get a perspective of there's truly not much we are in control of except ourselves. Yeah. And so in midst of the busyness of ministry in the highest of the highest, in the lowest of the lowest, I think I really learned how to worship and yell at God by myself, right? Or with people and community. Like, I think that's what I excelled at in <laughs> the highest and the lowest. Um, in the highest, like, and my husband tells me I'm like a, like a extreme, I'm like very emotional. So I'm like, when things are great and circumstances are great, I'm like praising God like crazy when circumstances are really hard and you see families falling apart and kids, you know, oh, kids sick. I am that's I can't even, but um, I, I just learned to yell at God and just ask why all the time, just why. And then that's the next day. And then I asked the same thing again, um, the next day. And, and, and then your perspective of yourself starts to diminish a little bit. Like God is so gracious in that he gives you, you know, Job's answer, like, where were you when I created the earth? Right. Like he just makes you think about him, which is so much bigger than that circumstance. And I'm, I don't diminish any of the pains that that person goes through or ministers feel. Um, but that's like truly the only way I move forward is mm -hmm. constant reminder of, oh man, I'm going to pray. I'm going to cry and yell at God. And then I'm going to praise him for the good stuff and still cry and yell at God. Um, mm -hmm. Be honest with him. Um, and then he reminds me like, I am God. And you have, you have no idea, Catherine, the eternal perspective that he has. Mm, wow. That's such a powerful answer. And that's all that the Lord asks of us is just to come to him just completely like, with our masks off. And I feel like that's something in my relationship with the Lord that I've just had to learn over time, you know, especially like in ministry, not in ministry, all of it. And I don't know about you, but there's so many moments where I want to appear perfect before the Lord. And like, yeah. that's when he just humbles me like no, no other. Yeah. Like, oh, that's so off your pride, girl. <laughs> Come uh -huh. to me as a child, like yell at me, you know? And I, I want to be careful with that because it's like, I think we both intend that like, it's the, it's the status of our heart. Yep. You know, it's the status of where we're at. It's the grief. Oh my gosh. Like I, I walked with a family through, um, a cancer journey this past year and the seven-year-old, um, he passed away. Um, right. Like an hour after I left their house and it was heartbreaking. It was hard. And I just remember like going hiking that night and just having the most honest conversation with the Lord. And I was just sitting on a mountain, just yelling, like, Lord, why? I don't understand. And I think once the Lord got me to that place and that humble posture, that's where he just began refilling me of like, here's my truths. 
watch what I'm going to do through this. Like, Lord, like your impact and like what you're doing, it's just far greater than this present darkness. And so, oh my gosh, but I'm so grateful that you shared that. And I think it's transferable to any and all circumstances. Like the most healing moments I've had with the Lord are when I'm literally just at my knees, just completely humbled before him. Yeah. As, and you and I, we love kids so much. So anytime a kid we love just, Mm -hmm. but man, and that also helps me to remember, like, we're not meant to live here forever. Mm. And like, I pray that people, people keep reminders of that. Like we don't get to be here forever. Well, I have another question for you and I'm going to shift gears a little bit here, but, um, you know, change of a season. I think we both have been through that in ministry and life. Uh-huh. Um, my question for you on that is how do you grieve the past yet lean into the joy of like what's to come in a shift of a season? Oh man. I mean, I recently um, went through a very, very painful season. Um, and I think that's the beauty of ministry too, because it's all relational. Like life, I I think is relational. Whatever job you do, it's relational. Like when you have to leave the relationships, it is excruciatingly painful. So I felt a tear um, of a community that I absolutely loved and adored. And I know Caitlin, you love, you love that community hard too. So when you have to grieve that, it's really hard to even accept a new community while you're still grieving because you your heart just doesn't have the space. Mm-hmm. And even if people were trying to help you, you can't receive it, right? And so I think for me, I had to just live through the grief. I really did. I had to wake up every day, remind myself of God's truth and that he brought me out or he placed me in that grief, right? Like he allowed a painful situation to happen. He did as I can be judgmental and say it was unjust, or I could say this was wrong, whatever the, the reasoning of everything in my perspective versus God. So I had to keep telling myself if God allowed this circumstance to happen, I have to grieve it and still trust him. So, I mean, I am so grateful that I had incredible friends who still like reminded me of who I am when I can't do that for myself. Um, I had, I mean, even circumstances too that remind me like, oh my goodness, like you are more than even what you thought you can do. And then I think it took me probably about, six months of grieving, probably three months of therapy, <laughs> um, you know, six months of coaching. I mean, I sought help though. I think when I knew my heart was not in, in its peaceful state, when you start to recognize you're in this fight or flight mode, um, I really did, did seek help in multiple sources and especially God. So I think it's okay to grieve it. It's okay to be ridiculously hurting. 
Um, and I wish like, just like depression, right? Like, I wish I can tell you like there was this solution and it just, it was that, but it took time. And then over time, I build up the muscle to like get back and trust people, open up my heart and start loving the things I used to love in a different community. Um, yeah. And so I think the biggest thing that I watch out for is like, even if I were to go through that again, and even if it were to hurt, I never want to not love. And now is there better boundaries? Absolutely. But I want to make sure I'm a person that loves, because if you look at Jesus, he went to the cross and he was willing to do that kind of sacrifice and that kind of physical pain. So for me to grieve a little bit, to follow him, oh my goodness, we'll, we'll grieve it and we'll just keep following him. Yeah. I love that. And I think on that same, you know, I guess topic, um, with the local church, like I know that you love the local church. I love the local church. And even in the midst of hard things, I I think there's so many things in life that are painful, but I think one thing that just breaks my heart every time is watching people I love step away from the local church because of a hard, hurtful thing that happened. And they chalk it up to the Lord or to Jesus. And it's like, no, no, like the church is messy. It is broken but it is still the bride of Christ. Can you speak into that? And even in that season, like restoring your love for the local church or not restoring. I mean, maybe it just was very steady. What did that look like for you? I would say it's been such a painful season to watch people you love leave. Um, People you love bouncing around different places. And for me too, being so ridiculously hurt by my local church. Mm-hmm. What I learned in that season for me specifically is my view of people in leadership and the local church. I almost replaced Jesus to them. Yeah. Like I, and I think that's what congregants and a lot of even non-Christians, they expect you to be actually Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we put expectations and things on leaders or the people of church, right? And not that we shouldn't do our best. Oh my goodness, as leaders, yes, the the Lord tells us we are responsible for way more, right? As 100%. And so we have to be careful and we have to be accountable. But at the end of the day, only Jesus is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And for me, a lot of times, Like if, for example, if a member were to leave a church because they disagreed with something that a leader did, they have the same Holy Spirit and the same um, word of God, the same power to address it to the leader. So to me, it's like the accountability doesn't go from leadership down. That is not of Jesus. Yeah. It's like. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll see this org chart and it's like a triangle and leaders on top. And then it's like congregant members on the bottom. Like that is not how the Bible meant the community of Christ to function. Like it's more like a circle. Like we all just like are supposed to be serving each other with different roles. And 
when people leave because they disagreed with one thing somebody said or they disagreed with one movie someone played or one, I don't even know. There's so many lists of things in season, in the season right now. If you truly are convicted by God's word and his spirit, then like say something to somebody and restore. Like that is the purpose of the community is to see restoration. And to me, that's the part I pray in this season that God is going to restore relationships and people, right? Because if you bounce from church to church because you didn't agree with something or you didn't like a, like a certain thing, you won't grow in your faith. You won't grow in how Christ wanted us to function, which is messy. Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed to be in the dirt. Like Jesus came down to the dirt. Like he literally came into a sinful humanity yes. to get into it with us. Like as humans, we need to do that too and be not comfortable, but but confident to be able to have the hard conversations. And I know you're brave, Caitlin, and what you, you are brave to have those conversations. And I think for me too, like I, I'm, we just have to be open to have those honest conversations and build trust with people. Um, and we can do that if we put ourselves humbly before God's word and make sure our heart's in the right place too, right? When we have those conversations. 100%. And I think yeah. that's uh, conversations. You know, mm-hmm. I think if I could just sum up like my heart for this past season, I know your heart and just who you are. And it's, that's so biblical. It's like, yeah, talk about it, you know, bring it up. Like I, and maybe this is just my personality, but you know, it frustrates me to no end when people just walk away. And it's like, man, like I would much rather have someone come to me or go to a leader to discuss it. And, um, it's that, that's how it should be. Um, and you know, when you step out, it should be for very valid reasons, not because of trivial things like, oh, you know, this was brought up in a service or this one thing. And it's just because the church is messy, the church is broken. And I like the Lord has just led me to studying so much about the local church in this past season in scripture. And it's been beautiful. I mean, gosh, like just even what the Lord says about the local church and acts and just how it should be like that has just brought me so much peace and knowing that it isn't about and i know again like this is very elementary but it isn't about the lights the sound the production like it is about the people and it is about breaking bread and enjoying each other's company and you know catherine if we were at a dinner party with a bunch of our friends and i said something that was a little off-putting like you wouldn't walk out the door. You would probably talk to me about it because you love me so much. I hope, yes. <laughs> you know, it's like that is what the church needs to be like. That's what it should look like. Um, you know, someone in my life recently told me that they stay um, at a church. Like if they are searching for a different church in a season, they stay at that church for about two months before they ever make a decision. That really shifted my perspective. Yeah. And as leaders too, like if those conversations were had and then they choose to agree to disagree or whatever, like you as a leader, like you want them to go find a church that they will thrive in, right? Like that's, that's a leader's heart too. No one's sitting there starting a church and like wanting like, yeah, like not people to grow in their faith. So to me, yeah, just 
conversations are so key, but dude, that takes a lot of courage. It It takes so much courage to have those conversations and the confidence that Jesus is going to restore it. I think people are so much more afraid of offending or hurting someone's feeling right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But every deepest friendships that I've, I have in my life now, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I have I have had arguments with those people, yep. <laughs> like yep. my family, right? Like for for example, like we're so close, but man, have we gone through some, yeah, some, yeah, some problems too. So yes, and it's the whole concept of you know, iron sharpens iron. We should, yeah. we should yep. not be afraid of that, but it is hard, and it's like yeah, hard conversations are not easy. I don't think they're supposed to be easy, but you know, that's where prayerfully um walking into them I think that's where that comes into play but yeah Catherine to end our time together I know that we're a little (laughs) oh so fun I want to just ask you one last question but I think specifically on this topic of church oh I just don't like this word but I'm gonna say it church hurt um Mm. what advice do you have just for women or people in general who are just walking through it what last little nugget of Catherine wisdom do you have for <laughs> for our audience <laughs> yeah um I think for me if you are a disciple of Christ right whether women whatever the age um I think for me if you are a disciple of Christ you were called to gather and commute, fellowship, right? Build the body of Christ. So I think number one step is like, you got to show up for fellow brothers and sisters of Christ, like whatever form that looks like. It doesn't mean you have to take every single volunteer role that is needed in your church. But I think I love what my husband said when I was suffering from huge depression. And I was like, do I even matter? Do I exist in this earth? And he said, how dare you? Do you think um, if God thought it was more worthy for you to live at this time and this specific life, right? Whatever this season is, if he thought you were so worthy to give you life, breath, air to breathe, like body, all those things, how dare you question his will? Yeah. Wow. I would say the same thing. How dare you think you don't have a place in the body of Christ? You know, like the Bible says, one talent, two talent, three talents, five talent. The bandwidth of every human is different, right? I saw that you were so worthy to be part of his community. Don't miss out. Mm -hmm. Don't miss out. That's beautiful. I love it. And thank you so much for sharing that. There's just so much beauty in serving in the church. There is. Like, that's how I'm going to end this. <laughs> There's so much beauty in being a part of the body. Like, be a part of it. You don't want to miss out. Oh, it's just so beautiful. It's so broken. But man, when you see God working, yeah. there's nothing more addicting than that, Caitlin. I mean, you know, there's nothing more addicting than seeing our creator work in people. Yes. Oh my gosh. It is the best privilege and joy. Like there's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like it. You don't have to be in full-time ministry to experience that. Nope. Not at all. That is just, that's something I'm learning in this season. Like 
there's just so much beauty to be found in the ministry we do on a daily basis. Like what? But that's a whole separate tangent. So maybe that's part two. <laughs> Uh, yes, to be continued. <laughs> Catherine, I just adore you so stinking much. Thank you uh, so much just for being willing to be on my podcast, perhaps. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And thank you for having me. Seriously, from the first time I met, you're incredible. I love your heart. Just you are a woman after God's heart. And yeah, the sky is the limit. That's you, my friend. <laughs>